I continue the message I've been preaching for some time. You really can sum it up in that one word, stand. Because every aspect of this message always dovetails to that one word, stand. Because God's calling us to stand in this day. He's calling for his church to stand. He's calling for every member of his church to stand. Stand in truth. Stand for Jesus Christ. Bear witness for Christ as those who are not ashamed of him. We are to stand strong in what Paul calls an evil day. So I want to go back to Ephesians chapter 6 one more time. Actually, not one more time. Maybe a couple more times. But Ephesians chapter 6, let's read it together. Paul says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and have, after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. The flaming arrows. In ancient warfare, Arrows would be dipped in pitch and lit a fire before they were launched against the enemy. And so sometimes in battle, one army would line up and start moving forward, and coming their way would be this wall of fire just crashing down upon them. It was a fearsome sight. But the Roman army knew how to handle it. They had these large shields. I'm not talking about the small round ones they would use in hand-to-hand -hand combat. I'm talking about shields that actually got their name from the Latin word for door because they looked like doors. They were large rectangular structures that the soldier could hide behind. They were built out of two pieces of, of wood uh, attached together, covered then with hide and framed in metal. They would soak those shields in water before actually going into battle. So when they were lined up and their shields were locked with those next to them, they would have a wall to protect themselves as those flaming arrows would come in. The arrows would hit the shield and they would be doused by the water and they would have this, this long line of Roman soldiers and you would have these smoldering, smoldering arrows sticking in their shields. It was kind of like a smoldering porcupine right there on the field of battle. But this was the way they were able to turn back the assault of the enemy. What a vivid picture that is of an evil day when the enemy launches his flaming arrows at the church 
And we see those arrows flying through the air today. But the enemy also launches his arrows at individuals within the church. The church doesn't exist apart from you and me and countless others. And so to attack the church is to attack individuals. And make no mistake about it. If the church is in battle today, so are the people of God, the individuals, people of God. Those of us in this room, those who are watching online, we are embattled in this day and we have to be ready for these flaming arrows that come our way, come in many, many different forms. But whatever form they take, Paul says we must take up the shield of faith We must meet them with faith. It is then that we are safe, then that we are protected, then that we won't be defeated, that we won't be laid out on the field of battle. The shield of faith. Faith is contrary to fear. Faith is contrary to discouragement. Faith is contrary to anger. Because sometimes we get angry at God for what he allows to come into our life. But radical faith in God rises above all of that and faces the battle head on and ends up winning the battle. That doesn't mean there won't be suffering along the way, trouble along the way, battles along the way, absolutely. I mean, we're in a battle. But in the end, in the end, God will triumph and his people will triumph through him and will triumph through faith. That's what it says in 1 John. This is the victory that we have over the world, even our faith. So Paul says, take up the shield of faith. Now, when we talk about faith, we're not talking about magical thinking. You remember I spent 12 weeks talking about faith just recently. And I'm not talking about that that substitute for authentic faith, magical thinking, wherein we believe that if we convince ourselves something good is going to happen, then it's going to happen. So we have to exercise positive thinking, and sometimes we call that faith. The problem with all that is that if you think your thoughts and your faith can secure a particular outcome that you want, What happens when it doesn't come? Because as a matter of fact, in real life, it often doesn't. There are illnesses that come, tragedies that happen, trials that that we cannot evade. And if you're committed to a magical thinking that says, oh yes, I'll use my shield of faith and then I I won't have any hardship, any trouble, you're going to be terribly disappointed. Paul's not talking about that kind of faith. He's talking about the kind of faith that sustains you through the battle, that enables you to stand in the battle. And having done all to stand, you still stand. You stand until the Lord calls you home or until the Lord returns. That's the kind of faith he's talking about. It is a radical faith. I say radical because it's the very root of faith. Faith in God who is working out his purposes. His purposes aren't always just exactly like I would design them, but they are God's purposes. And so we trust that. We believe that. I remember the first time that truth began to come home to me 
in a personal way. And I say began because the truth is, I keep having to relearn this same lesson over and over again. That real faith is faith in God and trust God's way and God's purpose, even if everything around me seems to be going in reverse. It was many years ago, and I was pastoring a small church, and I was terribly discouraged. On so many fronts, I was discouraged, and it seemed like I was getting hit from every side. And so troubles just mounted up. And I discovered in that moment what I've seen repeated many times. You've experienced this as well. It just seems to be part of of the way human beings react in situations like this. As I feel like I'm embattled, it's like all the people I thought would step up to be with me sort of step back. Kind of like, ooh. And you suddenly feel very alone in the midst of that battle. Have you ever been there? That's how I felt. And so one night, I went to the church office. There was a long hallway there, and I started pacing up and down the hallway praying. I still pace when I pray. I can't, I can't, I can pray for 35 seconds on my knees. Then I'm like, man, this is uncomfortable. I don't want to. I get up and I pace. So I was pacing. The lights were out in the office. There was a, a street light by the window, and so there was enough just to see so I could walk. But the place was entirely dark, and I'm pacing back and forth, and I'm praying, and I'm trying to, trying to get in touch with God, but feeling as if God is 100 miles away from me. I say I was praying, maybe I was more lamenting and moaning and feeling sorry for myself, I'm not sure. But back and forth, back and forth. Finally, I sit down, I turn on the lamp by the chair, and I pull out my Bible, and I opened it, I just kind of opened it in the middle of the Bible, and I thought I would just read a bit. And my eyes fall on an astonishing verse. Now, I don't recommend you throw open the Bible and wait for something to jump out at you. I admit I've done it a lot of times. I'll also tell you, it just pretty much doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know the old story about, you know, throwing open the Bible and it says Judas went out and hanged himself? And you go, whoa. Wrong verse. Let me try another one. Go and do thou likewise. That's an old preacher joke. Some of you know it. If you do, you're probably old too. I mean, it's an old, old, old preacher joke. So I don't recommend it. But, but I turn to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 50, and I read this verse. And, and if it was God giving me this verse... It felt like it at the time. God must have a sense of humor because in verse 10 it reads, Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant? Let the one who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. I had just finished walking back and forth in darkness 
with no light. And the message I get is trust in the Lord and rely on God. No other answer. I had all sorts of things on my mind. I had plotted out exactly how I wanted God to intervene in this situation and that. Had it all worked out what I wanted, God doesn't give me an answer of that sort. In fact, in fact, nothing changed. And in days subsequent to that, nothing that I could see changed except one thing. I knew that I needed, even in the dark when there is no light, I needed to trust in the name of the Lord and rely on my God. That's faith. That's the shield of faith. That's the alternative to fear and discouragement and anger. To believe in God, to put your faith in God, regardless of what's happening. The flaming arrows come and your shield of faith protects you. Not in the sense that bad things don't happen. Those arrows still hit the shield, but they don't, they don't lay you out. They don't ultimately defeat you. They may, they may in some, some limited sense defeat you, but not ultimately, not finally. God has a purpose and he's working out his purpose. I don't know if you remember this. If you don't remember it, pretend that you remember it because it'll make me feel so much better. But when I was talking about faith, I had one, one sermon where I talked about faith and courage and I use the term faith fatalism. That faith can, can reach a pitch that it's almost, almost, not quite, but almost a kind of fatalism. It's like the three Hebrews who defied Nebuchadnezzar. And they said, you know, King, our God can deliver us from this fiery furnace. We know that. But even if God doesn't do it, we're not going to bow down to your statue. We're not going to yield. To you. And so there was this sense of whatever happens, whatever happens, we're going to remain faithful to God. That's what I'm calling faith fatalism, where, where you say, you know what, I'm going to have this radical trust in God in the midst of the battle. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know God is God and I'm going to believe him. That's the faith that protects your soul in the midst of the struggle. You can talk yourself into thinking, oh, well, good things are going to happen. Good things might happen. And there's a certain psychological benefit to having a positive attitude. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying that all the predictions in the world and all the revving up of positive thinking in the world isn't going to control what happens in the real world. Faith goes beyond that and fastens on God. Some years ago, quite a few years ago, maybe the best the best Civil War movie ever was filmed. Uh, the movie's called Glory. It was actually filmed in 1989. It was the breakout film for Denzel Washington. He won an Academy Award. Morgan Freeman's in the film. It's a remarkable story about the 54th Massachusetts Regiment. It was an all-black regiment, except they had a white commander and co white officers. But they entered, they were, they volunteered to serve in the Union Army. Now, this was not something done initially. The North wasn't all on board 
with emancipation initially. I think everyone here knows that. There were ambivalent feelings there. But when Lincoln signed the Emancipation Proclamation, it opened the door for Americans of African descent to volunteer to fight on the Union side. And so many did. Um, you had former slaves, you had others who were born free in the North who signed up to fight, and the 54th Regiment was one of those. At first, at first, those who signed up were not allowed to actually fight because uh, white Americans thought that black Americans probably wouldn't have the courage to fight in battle, that they would turn tail and run, and they didn't have the skills. There was just this kind of racist undertone that was at work. But the 54th, the 54th showed themselves to be of a different nature than all that. And they went into battle, uh, the battle for Fort uh, Wagner in South Carolina. It was actually a battle that was lost. Uh, half of the 54th were killed. It was a terrible slaughter. But out of that, people saw the incredible courage of these men, and they began to realize, no, no, these black soldiers can fight every bit as well as the best of the white soldiers. And more and more were brought then into the military. Eventually, 180,000 uh, black soldiers served during the Civil War. It helped to turn the tide of the war. It was a remarkable, remarkable thing. Now, in the movie Glory, they're just about to go into this battle where many are going to die and, in fact, was seemingly a loss for the Union. They're about to go into battle. And just indulge me. I want to play that clip of what is said and done in those moments. Would you go ahead and play the clip? Tomorrow, we go into battle. All right. So, Lordy, let me fight with the rifle in one hand and good, good book in the other. Yeah. That if I should die at the muzzle of the rifle, die on water or on land, I may know that you Blessed Jesus Almighty are with me. We see you. And I have no fear. Amen. Amen. Oh, my Lord, 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 Lord. Oh, my Lord, 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 we stand before you this evening to say thank you. And we thank you, Father, for your grace and your many blessings. Now, I run off and left all my young'uns and my kinfolk in bondage. So I'm standing here this evening, Heavenly Father, to ask your blessings on all of us. Amen. So that... If tomorrow is our great getting up morning, yes. Amen. Uh, if tomorrow we have to meet the judgment day, yes. 
Father. Uh, Heavenly Father, we want you to let our folks know uh, that we died facing the enemy. <laughs> we want them to know that we went down standing up. Yes, Lord. Amongst those that are fighting against our oppression. We want them to know, Heavenly Father, that we died for freedom. Amen. We ask these blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Off my mama. Well. <laughs> you feel funny, Come on, come on. Come on now. You're doing fine. Well, I just. Um. Y'all don't. Y'all. Y'all's the only family I got. Well, that's our family. That's all right. And, uh... I love the 54. All right. Ain't much a matter what happens tomorrow. But we men ain't. Yes, sir. Amen. 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 Yes. They say a picture's worth a thousand words. I think sometimes a movie scene might be worth 10,000. I mean, there you see it, right? There you see on the eve of battle, they're going into battle. It really doesn't matter what's going to happen, they say, because they're going to be standing. They're going to be standing. They're going to be trusting God. And if it means it's the last battle, they're trusting God. You cannot lose when you're trusting God. The church has to recover that kind of spirit in this day. And Christians need to recover that kind of spirit. Christians who, who first and foremost are about God and serving God and trusting God. Not always calculating. Not always trying to work a cost-benefit analysis on everything that they do. But giving themselves to God and following him in faith and trusting him whatever happens, knowing that God has some purpose involved. God's at work. 
We see, we see something of that spirit in that clip, but you see it in the Bible too. Think about, think about Queen Esther. So Esther was technically queen, but she wasn't in a position of power. She was actually a member of Xerxes' harem. That's who she was. She was chosen because she was beautiful. That's it. And so she's in the harem of Xerxes. She's a Jewish woman. She's pretty much isolated from what's happening in the kingdom. And she didn't know until her uncle Mordecai sent her a message that there had been political maneuverings going on and an order had been given to slaughter the Jews. Mordecai appealed to her to go to Xerxes and and plead with him to rescind the order. And she answers back, I haven't seen him for weeks. And it's against the law to go in on your own to the emperor. You have to be invited into his presence. If you enter his presence without that invitation, you'll be put to death. Unless, unless you're lucky enough and he extends his scepter and receives you. But you're putting your life in your hands when you, when you do that. And so she sends back to Mordecai this, this ambivalent message. And Mordecai sends a message back to her and says, don't think that you can escape from being identified with your people. And he says, consider that you have been born into the kingdom for such a time as this. You're where you are because God has something for you to do. Someone looking on might say, well, she's beautiful. That's why she was where she was. But God was at work. God is at work silently through the whole book of Esther. God is never named in the book of Esther, and yet you see God working, not through miracle, but through events, working to to save his people. So Esther finally decides. She said, I will go in to talk with Xerxes. Have all the people... Have all of them fast, and I will go see him. And if I perish, I perish. That's that faith fatalism again. It's a sense of, I will trust God and go forward, regardless of what the consequences might be. And God did deliver his people. Have you ever thought, at those, those times when, you, when you're thinking about how bad things are, you think about, you know, the darkness all around and it leaves you troubled. Have you ever thought that wouldn't it be nice if I lived in a different time, in a different place, if I wasn't? Have you ever thought that? I have. But what if we have been brought into the kingdom for such a time as this? There is a purpose. And with all the trials that we face, God is working out his purpose. And so we have to step into it with faith, knowing that we will stand. We will stand. Through the battle, we will stand. King Ahaz was not a righteous man. 
but he was king of Judah. And there he was in Jerusalem, the city of God. And two kings had formed an alliance to attack Ahaz and to overrun Judah. And Ahaz is afraid, and he's thinking about turning to the pagan empire of Syria to help. If he does that, then Judah will become subordinate to Assyria and to Assyria's gods, and the people of God may may cease to exist as the people of God. So Isaiah comes to Ahaz. You can read about it in Isaiah chapter 7. And he says, you need to keep calm. He says, do not be afraid. And then he says to them these words, words that... that (laughs) said centuries ago, but it's as if he were speaking to us today. He says, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. It sounds like Ephesians 6, doesn't it? It sounds like Ephesians 6. You take up the shield of faith. You take it up. And having done everything to stand, you Stand. That's what God's called us to do. Faith, the shield of faith. Trust in God. Whatever you're facing, trust in God. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He is at work. He's not abandoned you. Trust him. Hold your head high and trust him. And church, as a church, we have to trust him. Hold our heads high and trust him. Stand in the truth. Stand in righteousness. Preach the gospel. Live by faith. We do that and God will be with us. And and whatever the future holds, we know that he will be glorified. He will be glorified. Amen. Pray with me. Lord, We do trust in you. Sometimes our trust wavers a bit, but God, we pray that you would help us, help us, Lord, to trust you in all things. The fiery arrows come, but Lord, we trust in you, and our faith douses everyone. Our faith triumphs in the end. Because our faith is in you, who, the one who is God, and you can do all things. And so we ask you to fill us with faith, Lord, triumphant faith. Lord, may we stand our ground in these days. And may everyone here, Lord, who's struggling in their own life, they're, they're facing an attack by the enemy, may you give everyone here faith, Lord, to stand to remain true, to not be fearful, not be discouraged, not yield to anger, but to believe. Let faith arise in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.